Welcome. This is the weekly Sunday sermon from Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. You can find us at ranchobaptistchurch.org. This week's message by Pastor Shane DeLisi, the Gospel of John that you may believe, the great I Am meets us in the storm. The original date of this message was the 12th of February, 2023. Well, good morning, church family. It's so good to be with you this morning and bring you God's word. So grab your Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And while you're turning there, for those of you who haven't been with us, we are in a sermon series through the book of John, the Gospel of John, titled, That You May Believe. That You May Believe. We're in John chapter 6. This morning, verses 16 to 21, and the title of our sermon this morning is The Great I Am Meets Us in the Storm. Meets us in the storm. No doubt you understand with me this morning that we live in very chaotic, evil, and disruptive times in the world that we live in. No doubt. Would you agree? Hopefully you guys have been praying for believers, non-believers alike and families in Turkey and Syria this week. I hope so. As the death toll rises over 33,000 of that earthquake in Turkey and Syria, um, we need to be praying that the church would be strengthened there, that the gospel would go forth in power and that even people through tragedy and trials in their life would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ even through death and tragedy as we, we saw this past week. The great I am meets us in the storms of life and trials that we go through. A little family update this morning for you as well before we get into the word. Bruce Olson had knee surgery yesterday and he is at home and doing well. Some pain for sure. His words yesterday were, I've gone through heart surgery, I've gone through two hip replacements, and I have not felt pain from either of those like this one. And I said, okay, Mr. I've gone through heart surgery. And uh, so he is at home healing. We need to be praying for him. Tom and Mary Waller, Tom continues to... I would like to say be on a road to recovery, but he's on a road. I just don't know where the Lord has Tom, whether it is recovery or bringing him home soon, but you need to be praying with us as a church body for Tom and Mary. Um, He's at a rehab place called The Village, I believe it is, up in uh, Hemet, uh, which is closer to their new home, and we need to be praying for the Wallers. Talking to Mary even... um, this, this week, it's, it's neat to see God working in and through her heart, giving her peace and grace of the possibility that the Lord would receive Tom home soon. That's a big step for her. And so we, we need to be praying for the Wallers. And then also just a little reminder too, just, these are just some things I had on my mind this morning, but Krista Nick got to see her last night, her and Dave, and she is healing up, doing well, and she's here. Hey! Long time no see, Nix. Great to see you, Krista. 
And uh, so we're going to continue to be praying for, for Krista and the Nick family as well. That's funny. That's awesome. Good to see you. Pleasant surprise. So our sermon this morning, The Great I Am Meets Us in the Storm, John chapter 6, verse 16 to 21. Follow along as I read our text this morning. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let me remind you this morning of why the book of John was written. In John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, it reads, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose why John has written this letter. In John chapter 21, verse 25, it also says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written? I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So we read in John about the life of our Savior. And these things are to show us that Jesus is the Christ. He is God, he is the son of God, and he is, which we'll see even more this morning, the great I am, the great I am. He has come to bring eternal life, and even at the end of chapter six, which we'll see in weeks to come, a lot of the crowd that showed up last week at the feeding of the 5,000, which was really the feeding of the 25 plus, 25,000 plus crowd, they start walking away after hearing some pretty hard things from Jesus. And he turns to his disciples at the end of chapter 6. And he says, do you want to go away as well? And what was their response? Do you remember? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That's exactly why John wrote the book. His disciples have come to know that he is the Holy One of God, and they have believed on his name. Have you this morning? Have you heard the words of Christ? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he is truly the Son of God, the Holy One, sent by God the Father, your Savior, come into the world to save sinners? That's why he's come. But not only the, the Holy One of God has come, but he is the great I am. Turn with me. Keep your fingers in John chapter 6. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. While you're turning there, a quick reminder that in your bulletin you have sermon notes there. You can write. I encourage you to write a lot of the scriptures that I'll mention this morning. 
so that you can look at them on your own throughout the week. Exodus chapter 3, look at verse 2, but we want to see how Jesus even shows up, the pre-carnate Christ shows up in the Old Testament and declares that he is the great I am, even to Moses, God's servant. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, and we see Jesus right away. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Now the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. And so we see him here. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, hmm, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now, Shane's translation, I included the hmm. Because maybe you and I would respond like Moses and go, hmm. There's a bush that's on fire and it's not being consumed. Maybe I should look at it. This is God meeting Moses. When the Lord, verse 4, saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. We'll see that this morning. Even the great I am, Jesus Christ, is being sent to his disciples in a time of distress. And Jesus declares all throughout scripture that he is indeed God, the great I am, which we've seen throughout our study in John. And we'll see through this account of the great I am walking on water we'll see that Jesus is once again showing and proving to his disciples that he is God incarnate he is God the God man Jesus Christ turn back to John chapter 6 verse 16 to 21 let's dive back into this historical account on the coast of the sea of Galilee 
Last week, we, we saw how the crowds were increasing in number, didn't we? Around Jesus and his disciples. It was no surprise that thousands of people were following Jesus. His popularity was unparalleled to anyone at this time. He was the current sensation around the Sea of Galilee. Everyone wanted to see Jesus. But we know that from Scripture, everyone wanted to see Jesus because of the miracles and the healings. Jesus has been healing many people and just finished feeding this large crowd the miracle we saw last week recorded in all four Gospels. And this sign of feeding the 5,000 will be a massive teaching that we'll see, Pastor Jason will be teaching on in a few weeks here, point from Jesus as he will teach them that he is the bread of life. But before this, we see that Jesus wanted to continue to reveal who he is to his disciples. That he indeed is God incarnate, that he is indeed God, the great I am. And you'll see at the top of your bulletin notes, um, the account we read this morning is also recorded in Matthew 14, 22 to, to 33, and then Mark 6, 45 to 52. We'll be going there this morning, back and forth. Um, from what God says in those accounts as well. Um, So once again, the title of our sermon, The Great I Am, meets us in the storm. The first point this morning that we'll see, commanded by the great I Am. The disciples were commanded by the great I Am. In verse 16, it says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. But as you turn to Matthew 14, turn with me there, Matthew 14 Verse 22 gives us even more detail of exactly what Jesus did in sending them down to the sea. Matthew 14, verse 22 says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Jesus is giving a command here. You are going down to the sea. You are getting into that boat. I'm dismissing the crowds but this is what I've called you to do. And the disciples hear a command given by Jesus. In Mark 6, 45, he says this again, just to reiterate these things, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. What's going on here? We know from other accounts that Jesus sent the disciples ahead of of him as we saw in Matthew and Mark. This was a command to send them on ahead of him. Jesus had made similar commands to the disciples. Matthew 8, 18. Let me turn there real quick. You guys can write that down. Matthew 8, 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. This wasn't a a thing that Jesus would do as an overbearing rabbi, teacher, the great I am, God in flesh. But there are commands and there are orders that Jesus will give to his disciples. Guess what? There are orders that Jesus gives to us and commands that he gives to us, his disciples. A wonderful sign of, of your faith growing in Christ is that you will heed 
the commands of your master and savior, Jesus Christ. And that is a good thing. A sign that your faith is growing in Jesus Christ is you hear the commands from God's word, our savior, and you follow in wonderful, loving obedience. And that's what his disciples do. The crowds are being dismissed by Jesus. He's commanding them, saying, Going da- go down to the sea, get in the boat, I'll meet you on the other side. You don't hear any grumbling, at least from the accounts, complaining. Jesus, we wanted to hang out with the crowds with you. Can we at least bring the 12 baskets of the frag? I don't, come on, we want to see what more you might do. Don't hold out on us. No. Go to the boat. I will meet you on the other side. That's our Savior talking. We will obey. Yes, Jesus. Commanded by the great I am. Why did Jesus dismiss his disciples and move them on ahead of him? Possibly because he wanted to distance his disciples from the crowd and their intentions to make him king. We saw that last week. He says, I'll deal with the crowd. You're going to go on ahead, but I want to make a clear distinction. This isn't why I came. I'm sending you on ahead. We'll talk, we'll talk more. But let me dismiss the crowd. Let me dismiss the crowd. And we also see that Jesus wanted some time alone with his father. Don't we see this in scripture a lot? Jesus went away to spend time with his father. He went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus needed the Father, that time spent with him. And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing here as we look at our text this morning in John. His disciples respond to his command to get in the boat with wonderful obedience. They walked in obedience and walked by faith as they had trusted their Savior to lead them. What's next, Lord? We will trust, we will obey, we will follow and we can fully trust the Lord in all aspects and circumstances of of our lives, even during dark times of trial and grief and confusion and doubt. Why? Because Jesus is with us. He is with us through every trial, through every circumstance that we go through. And we'll even see this morning, and I'm gonna bring this to light, that even God is the one who prepares the trials that we will walk through. He is the one who will not only be leading us through those trials, he says, I've already prepared them for you. That's our God and that's our savior. Do you believe that this morning? That the one who will be with you through trials is the one who's prepared them and the one who's led you into them. We'll see that this morning. Point number two in the sermon, we want to follow and obey the great I am. We hear his commands, the commands of the great I am, and then we want to follow and obey the great I am. We talked about this already. This is a great sign that we are growing in our faith. Say, yes, Lord, I'm reading your word. I'm taking in your word. And I'm not only just looking at your word and hearing it, but I'm following and obeying your word. That's the sign of true discipleship. That's the signs of looking at your own life and going, yes, I am growing. Why? 
I'm, I'm growing in my faith because I'm actually obeying and following the Lord. Those are some true signs of growth and discipleship in the life of a believer. That should be true of us. Verse 17, as we look at this point, follow and obey the great I am. Verse 17 says this, they got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. What was Jesus doing here? He was sending the crowds away and then he went up to a mountain to pray. We see that in Matthew 14. Matthew 14. I have my little tabs here because I knew. You guys didn't know, but I knew we were going to Matthew 14 and Mark 6. But uh, you guys will read these accounts more even this week and turn if you want to with me. Matthew 14, verse 23. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark 6, verse 45. He dismissed the crowds, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus wanted to go spend time with the Father. Jesus commanded them to to get in the boat, just as he had commanded them to have the people sit down during the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't seem to, to, to have any you know, squabbles with Jesus. But, but I want to reiterate this. Faith will always be accompanied by obedience. Faith will always be accompanied by obedience. So as our faith grows, our obedience to God and his word will grow. That's the fruit that you will see in your life. As your faith grows, your obedience to, to God's word will grow. It's interesting here, verse 17, it says, they got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. And here it is. And Jesus had not yet come to them. Interesting words. Had not yet come. Why? We see in the gospels that Jesus even even may delay his coming at times to certain towns, to certain people. Even Jesus in the Gospels, he says, my, my time has not come yet. It's, everything's going, going perfectly and according to plan to how Jesus, God, the great I am, is seeing everything come about. He had not yet come to them. And, and now we see Jesus even, we, we see, we've seen him even as, as he is waiting to come to his disciples in the darkness in the rough seas that are to come, he's, he's waited to come at the perfect time. Don't we see that in scripture as well when Lazarus dies? Mary and Martha, Lord, if you came sooner, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus is probably thinking, well, if I came sooner, God's glory wouldn't have been on display and I wouldn't have been able to raise your, your brother out of the grave. Watch what I'm gonna do. I'm the resurrection and the life. God's timing is perfect because he does everything for his glory and for his praise. God does everything according to his perfect timing. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Look at verse 18, John chapter six. The sea became rough. Because a strong wind was blowing. The, the strong wind was not unusual for the Sea of Galilee. If you guys have ever been there, you know, the winds come off the, the hills that are surrounding it. 
Uh, people say it's like a, this whirlwind. The waters get stirred and all of a sudden out of nowhere, storms come and the waters are choppy. It could be still in the next minute, white caps on the Sea of Galilee. Would the disciples be surprised by this? No, not necessarily. Almost half of them were fishermen. They'd be out, this is life for them. Oh, another storm. Another storm. This is going to be a rough night. Another storm is here. And so they're plowing through. A strong wind has come and a storm has come. The wind was blowing. This was a strong wind sent by God so that they would not reach their destination and that they would be able to see the great I am walking on water. Isn't that amazing? Where else do we see a strong wind sent by the Lord? If you, if you want to turn with me, Exodus chapter 14. Once again, Exodus chapter 14. Write this down, Exodus 14 verses 10 to 22. We see another strong wind that was sent by the Lord. That was sent by the Lord. Even, even in, uh, the peop- when the people of Israel were leaving Egypt and, and God prepared a way for them. Exodus chapter 14 verse 10 says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 19. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Who provided that wind? Yahweh, the great I am, God Almighty. He sent that wind, just as he is God over all creation. To even send this wind for the disciples to struggle, even on the Sea of Galilee. 
The disciples were struggling and this wasn't the first time. Do you remember when they were crossing in a boat and Jesus was sleeping? Kind of comical, huh? Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. The men were well aware of the storms then. They cried out in their distress, Master, help us! We're, we're, we're about to perish. I don't know what Jesus did, but maybe a yawn, waking up, coming and stilling the, the, the storm before them. And the disciples are amazed. Who is this? That the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? And yet this time they are without Jesus in the boat with them. Jesus has already planned that they would be a, a, a long way off from land. Matthew fourteen twenty four says they were beaten by the waves and the wind was against them. Mark six forty eight says that Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them struggling in the storm on the sea. Does that encourage you this morning? That even through the trials and the storms that we go through life, that Jesus sees us? He's very aware. He knows exactly what's going on. He understands and wants us to look to him. And I want you to note this morning through our passage, note the reality of what's happening with the disciples. They're on the sea, heavy winds, storms raging around them. They're struggling, they're tired. They're in the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's happening. Jesus is up on a mountain in prayer. The one who's in perfect peace, who is perfect peace. And now he's gonna walk on the Sea of Galilee, just as we would walk on this new concrete outside. (laughs) The wind and the waves are not deterring him And yet he's going to meet them right there. That's our God. That's the great I am who meets us in the storm. There's a great contrast here of where his disciples are at and where Jesus is. Is is it an encouragement to you that we can turn to the one who is peace and who gives us his perfect peace even when we are in the trials and storms of our life that we go through? It's amazing to me that God meets us exactly there, his presence, that even when trials come and they will come, they will come, we can come to Jesus and enjoy his presence and find true rest for our souls in him. That is a sweet comfort and encouragement to me this morning. That Jesus knows, he sees, and not only does he see us, but our next point in the sermon this morning what, what did the disciples experience next? Seeing the great I am. The disciples, they see Jesus. Verse 19 says, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. Let me tell you this, this morning, the disciples were not fearful and frightened because of the storm. Like I said before, they've, they've encountered these things on the sea. Do you know what frightened them? We've never seen a figure not in a boat on the sea walking towards us. That's what frightened them. 
That's what's going on. And so seeing the great I am, which they will find out who it is in a moment here, but they see him. And how did they know it was Jesus? He reassures them that it is him when he says, it is I. The amazing Greek translation here that I, I strongly believe is the words that says, I am. I am. Men, I am is here. And I've come to you and I've walked on the sea. I am is here. No doubt for the disciples, when they hear his voice, it is I. The I am is here. It brings wonderful comfort. It stills the fear of, and, and the trial and what they're going through. Doesn't Jesus do that for us? When we see Jesus, when we, when we draw near to him, when we hear him say, hey, I, I'm here with you. We, we just now sing that, that song this morning and, and I'm gonna mention it later too, but this comes to mind. When through fiery trials, your pathway shall lie. When through fiery trials, Jesus is saying, even through fiery trials, I'm with you. I'm I've come to go before you in these things and I'm here to comfort you. In other accounts, they thought it was a ghost. Matthew 14 mentions that. Ah, it's a ghost. What's happening? What's this figure that we see in Mark 6, 48? In Mark's account, it says that Jesus meant to even pass by them. What do we do with that? Isn't that hilarious? I don't know about you, but it is to me. What do you mean Jesus meant to pass by them? What was Jesus thinking? I'll meet him on the other side. I'll beat him there and show them, hey. And they'll, they'll ask me, how did you get here? But Jesus knew exactly who he was doing. It's, it's interesting that it says Jesus meant to pass them by, but Jesus knows exactly what was going on and what he was doing and reveals himself and meets them in their fear. The Lord Jesus sees them before they see him. And he meets them right in their fear. The disciples had never experienced anything like this before, a figure walking on the water. They had been rowing a long time. They were terrified when they saw this figure. And then they see what would be a ghost, obviously, to them. Which comes to our fourth point, the peace. The peace given by the great I am. Jesus is the one that gives us peace. Even through the trials and the storms, Jesus gives us peace. Verse 20 of John chapter six, verse verse 20. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Even in John 14, 27 to 29, Jesus says this, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, that you may have hope. That you may have hope. This peace is what the disciples experienced that dark night. They were reassured that Jesus will always be with them through the storms and in everyday life. It will be his peace that they need and that they will receive from him. 
Jesus will say some similar words of, do not be afraid, take heart, it is I. In Luke 24, 36 to 39, when Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, if you remember, where Jesus says, do not be afraid, it's, it's me. Let me reassure you, you're not seeing a ghost. This isn't, this is me, Jesus, your savior, Lord, king, master in front of you. Take courage, I am with you. So we can take courage even in our lives when we're going through some heavy, heavy trials. When things just seem like they're spiraling out of control, we can hear the words in Matthew 14, 27, where Jesus says, take heart or take courage. Do not be afraid. And what calms our fears in life? It is literally the great I am, Jesus who calms our fears and who reassures us that he is with us and no one can separate us from his love. All of a sudden, these promises from his word, that's Romans 8, 38 to 39. And Jesus is our peace in our storms. He meets us exactly where we're at and he gives us peace. Again, in the song that we sang uh, this morning, the lyrics that we sung together, fear not, I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Only the great I am can say those words. Only the great I am can sustain us in trials and the storms of life. In our fifth point this morning, not only is peace given by the great I am, but, but we want to be hearing and believing the great I am. In this life, we need to be tethered to the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and hear and believe what he has said to be true. We need to be hearing and believing what he has said. And that's exactly what the disciples were doing, they were hearing and believing the great I am. When, they, when he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid, we're gonna see how they respond. It is I, do not be afraid. And then what does he say next? Then they were glad to take him into the boat. Hearing and believing the great I am, this peace that Jesus gave them through the storm and trials of life, they were glad to take him into the boat. Even in Matthew, Matthew 14, just to bring some more meat to the bones of this historical account, we even see, we're not going to touch on it too much, but even Peter seeing Jesus, uh, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. There it is again. The great I am commands. If it's you, command me. I'll come if you command me. I'll obey and I'll follow you. Can you imagine? I I just thought about that this this week. Jesus said, if it's me, are you kidding me? It's me. Get out of here then. What do you mean if it's you? Only the great I am can do this. Only your master can do this. It's me, of course, Peter. Get out of here. And he says, okay. But yet even then, he's out. Peter walking on water and begins to doubt as he looks at the wind and the waves 
and he begins to sink and he cries out, save me. And Jesus reaches and saves him. And then they go into the boat. It's amazing. Hearing and believing the great I am. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them in their fear. And Jesus is the one we need to go to in our fear and with our fear and listen to his voice that we hear through scripture in his word and his precious promises given to us. No doubt we have a lot of reason to fear apart from Christ, don't we? I mentioned in the beginning we we have a lot of just chaos, a lot of evil in the world that we live. Nothing new here on earth, but it just seems like the world is spiraling out of control. Apart from Christ, we have a lot to fear. But Jesus brings us peace. Just to bring some application this morning, what are some fears that you guys have this morning? What are some things that you're holding on to and you're saying, this brings great fear for me? Are you bringing it to Jesus? Are you seeing him, the great I am? Are you seeing the peace that he gives? Are you hearing and believing the great I am and then bringing these things to him and experiencing wonderful peace that comes from him and him alone? There's great peace that Jesus gives. Because Jesus is the great I am, he is truly God and he is with us all throughout life. That brings a comfort to me. This should, bring, this should comfort you this morning. Comfort our hearts and our lives this morning. Jesus truly does care for us. He truly does care for those things that are fearful and heavy burdens and trials and storms that we go through in this life. And, and we don't, here, let me just tell you that right now, I don't need a miracle worker and I don't need a healer this morning. I need Jesus Christ, my Savior. That's what we saw last week. The crowds would come and go, oh, we want to see the healing show. Oh, we want to see the miracles. True Christians do not need a healer. They do not need a miracle worker. They need their Savior, Jesus Christ, and a relationship with him daily. Is that what you long for today? I don't need Jesus the miracle worker. I don't need necessarily Jesus the healer. Don't hear me wrong on that. But I need Jesus and him alone. I want him. I don't want the signs. I want him. And that is best. That is best. This week I heard some news that my grandma in Michigan passed away February 9th. Who's the one I turned to in my loss and to comfort my soul and to come alongside my dad when he lost his best friend, his mom? Who do you turn to when trials come? Who do you turn to when loss in life happens? God who is over life and death. That's who we turn to. The one who comforts us in our affliction. The one who meets us in our grief. And I was able to be a source of comfort and grace to my dad who doesn't know Jesus Christ yet, praying for his salvation. I was able to pray for him and send words of grace and peace to my aunts and uncles over text just to connect with him right away during their time of loss and it is chaos over there and in their, their non-believers and 
and uh, it's just it was a death that was unexpected. And so even talking to my uncle Andy, he's all, Shane, if you do come, just want to let you know, it is crazy over here. <laughs> it is crazy. So as Katie and I were praying, and she was praying with me and gave me the green light to go, I'll be, you guys can be praying for me. I'll be traveling Tuesday to Saturday this week, um, ministering to, to a family. And uh, family members, my dad, my, my mom's going, my brother and his girlfriend are going. And, uh, but I'm going to go minister to, to a family and just kind of come with open hands and go, Lord, I, don't, I have no agenda. But I hear it's crazy. <laughs> but I know you're with me. I heard it was crazy, Lord. But I know you're with me. You can do with me whatever you want. My, my family on that side is a very heavy Catholic family. Catholics are our mission field. Catholics are our mission field. So Lord willing, we'll be able to proclaim and have some good gospel conversations with with family over there. But no doubt you've gone through trials. No doubt you've gone through loss of loved ones, troubles, doubts, loss of job. I want to encourage you this morning to turn to Jesus and trust him. Don't necessarily look for the exit sign and go, Lord, save me, necessarily. Get me out of here. But go, Lord, you led me here. You knew exactly where you were leading me. I'm going to draw close to you. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus. Use me. Grow my faith. Grow my obedience. Grow my love for you. Please, Lord, draw me closer and closer to you during this time of great trouble, great distress. Because we know as believers, he is our refuge and strength and very present help in time of when things are going well. No, trouble. Trouble. And God meets us in our loss and afflictions in this life. And I love that. Scripture that I will bring often to our church family in letters to those who have lost folks or just people who are going through some heavy affliction in the body. Maybe you've received this scripture from me before, but 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So as we are being comforted by God in our affliction, now we can comfort others in their affliction. That's the body of Christ because we receive a wonderful comfort from God. That's our great God. That is our great God. Point number six this morning as we wrap up our time receiving the great I am. The disciples received the great I am. They were glad to take him into the boat. It's Jesus. Peter walks in the water. They both get in the boat together. Yes, we'll take him in. Do you know what he did last time he was in the boat with us? And the scripture says that immediately when Jesus got into the boat, the winds were stilled. Amazing. 
Verse 21, then they were glad to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. A miracle of not only walking on water, but also transporting the disciples in the boat to their destination immediately. It's amazing what Christ can do. We have Christ. We have this relationship now with God Almighty through his son, Jesus Christ. At times he will choose to continue to have us go through trials. Sometimes he will deliver and bring us out of those trials. But we know clearly from scripture that in this world you will have tribulation. And Jesus says, take heart. There it is again. Take courage. Why, Jesus? I've overcome the world I will be with you no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, no matter where you go, I will be with you. Jesus got in the boat. Jesus enjoyed that time. They received him. I'm reminded from John chapter 1 verse 12. You can write that down. John chapter 1 verse 12, even in this word receiving, says, but to all who did receive him, Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We continue to enjoy this relationship with Christ as believers now. Let's continue that, right? Through trials, through the storms of life. But let me tell you this this morning, if you have not received Jesus Christ, the great I am as Lord and Savior and believed on his name for your sins and your crimes to be forgiven against a holy, just, and righteous righteous God, then you are still dead in your sins and trespasses and what you deserve for your sin, which the Bible declares is hell for your sin. And that's a just punishment. God says, but those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ, who believe on his name, he will give the right for you to become a child of God. Not born of the flesh, he says that, not born of the flesh, but born of the spirit. Right? Not born of the flesh, but born of the spirit. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but you'll be born of God. You'll be born of God. That salvation that comes from him and him alone, you'll be born by him. Have you done that? And for those of us who have received Jesus Christ, there's no greater joy to go through trial. Now, we know that trials are and hardship and affliction is hard. But James 1 is clear. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials of all different kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, endurance. Because this life is hard. And who do we come to? Jesus Christ. Who leads us through these trials and these storms of life? The great I am. So we receive him. We receive him. And lastly this morning, what we see in Matthew 14 verse 33 as a part of this account. Worshiping the great I am. Worshiping the great I am. He says this, and those in the boat worshiped him saying, 
truly you are the son of God. And isn't that why John even wrote this account? Why did John even write? So that others would believe that Jesus is who? The son of God. And what did they do when they received him in the boat? Wow, Jesus, without you, well, sure, maybe they said some things like that, you know, Jesus, without you, would have been crazy. No, but they just worship him. Would that have been your response? Worship? Jesus, why didn't you come sooner? No, 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 that wasn't their response. It was worship. So they, they worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. When Jesus meets us in our life, as we walk this life faithfully with him, is your response, even through the trials and even through the storms and even through affliction and even through the hardships of life, is your response, I will continue to worship the great I am. I will continue to worship him, to give him praise no matter what I experience in this life because life is all about him, it's all about his glory and it's all about his praise, amen? They bowed down and worshiped. And and this song that we're going to sing together as a congregation, we need to be turning our eyes upon Jesus this morning. This is our encouragement. Turning our eyes to Jesus this morning, looking full in his wonderful face. And then what does the song say? And the things of this world, the trials, the tribulations, what we experience here, the hardships, will grow dim in the light of his glory and his grace. That's our father of all mercies this morning. That's our God of all comfort. Now he might deliver us and and remove these trials right away. Praise God for that. But to endure and to persevere and to look at Jesus even during times of hardship and trial. The great I am meets us in the storm. We're commanded by the great I am to follow and obey the great I am, seeing the great I am, peace given by the great I am, hearing and believing the great I am, receiving the great I am, and worshiping the great I am. That's our God that we we have come to worship and adore this morning. The God who has helped us as we've opened up his word this morning together, I pray. The Lord who is drawing near to you this morning in your trials. But the one that we're looking to and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Pray with me this morning as we sing this song together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you so much that you are God. The Holy One. The one who sends the wind. The one whose timing is perfect. The one who's sovereign over life and death, Lord the one that we look to this morning to bow down and worship. You are the great I am. Not only did you deliver your people from Egypt, 
you have delivered us from our very sin and the punishment that we deserved and have given us new life in Christ. Father, I thank you so much for our Savior, the great I Am. I thank you, Lord, that he is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He'll be with us always, even to the end of the age. Nothing can separate us from his love. May we hear these words. May they give us peace. And may we continue to believe and walk in humble obedience to your commands. Father, may we receive you daily, looking to you and worship you. Thank you for this morning. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you that you are here with us and we thank you for this body of believers. May we seek this morning to encourage, strengthen, to pray for and to build up one another, to comfort one another. Thank you that you are the God of all mercies who meets us in our affliction and comforts us so that we too might comfort those around us. So Lord, we look to you this morning. Our great God and King, we give you glory. May you join our voices together as we sing and may they bring great encouragement to our soul as your body is unified in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.